Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Zero Life Sciences third quarter analyst call. At this time, all participants will be in listen-only mode. A brief question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero from your telephone keypad. Please note this conference is being recorded. At this time, I'll now turn the conference over to Mr. James Howard Tripp, Chairman and CEO. Mr. Howard Tripp, you may now begin. Good. Thank you very much. And um, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our um, Q3 call. A um, little delayed um, because of the financing, um, but it's nice to be able to get with you and to explain where we're going. I'll begin with um, the normal um, forward-looking statement and remind you that this presentation contains forward-looking statements identified by words such as expects, will, and similar expressions which reflect the company's current expectations regarding future events. Report-looking statements involve risks and uncertainties that could cause the company's actual events to differ materially from those projected herein. Investors should consult the company's ongoing quarterly filings and annual reports for additional information on risks and uncertainties relating to these forward-looking statements. The reader is cautioned not to rely on these forward-looking statements. The company also disclaims any obligation to update these forward-looking statements except as required by law. So to begin, um, we're very pleased with the quarter. Um, for us, it was an opportunity to reach what we believe is a really important milestone in terms of our growth, which has got many, many benefits as we go through. And of course, that actually led through into the second raise, um, which we've just completed. So we reported revenue of, um, in US dollars, 1.5 million. Remember that we report on a cash received basis. And um, as we've explained in the past, um, it's obviously a rolling process whereby additional monies will come through in the quarters that follow. Um, but for now and for the foreseeable future, we'll be reporting on a cash received basis. The good thing with this is it's above the company's burn rate. And if you look at our burn rate of approximately 300,000 a month or about 900,000 a quarter, it obviously begins to move us into a range where we've got more muscle, more flexibility, more things that we can do. And that's really important. Our um, revenue trajectory continues. Um, we're looking for a better quarter. Um, I shouldn't say a better quarter because we think Q3 was actually pretty good. But we're looking for a bigger quarter in Q4 um, as the trajectory continues. We're expanding our lab. Um, we're adding equipment to speed up processes. We're automating a variety of systems. We're preparing for Aristotle. And I'll talk to this just a little bit. Um, as we, we work through the footprint, and I think there, there's a little bit of misinformation out there regarding, I think, how people interpret our ability to do numbers of tests. You've always got to be able to continue to do larger and larger numbers of tests because you get tremendous fluctuations you get tremendous fluctuation in daily volume. 
So when we say we can do a thousand tests a day or we can say 3000 tests a day, that doesn't mean to say we're automatically moving up to doing a thousand or 3000 tests a day. It means we have that capability and as things fluctuate through and clearly we will want to build up above that. And so that's a key piece with us. Um, the footprint, we need more space. Um, you might remember that we leased a good deal of our space to another lab. That other lab is in the process of actually moving out. At this point, we will be reclaiming a lot of that space. It is something that we were negotiating with them to do anyway. So by about the middle of the year, we will have all of our space back. And then that allows us, obviously, to establish the footprint that we want for Aristotle. So for us, actually, all of it good things. We've pretty much doubled our staffing levels in the last few months, um, and all of that just showing as we grow. We will continue for a while longer, um, but we're not going to just keep growing and keep growing. There's a level at which um, we believe we'll get to within about the next month or so, which we believe will be adequate to take us through the launch of Aristotle. We've very significantly increased the number of groups we work with. So when we spoke last, we reported that we had about five companies at the table or five groups at the table we were working with. We've now got over 55, and we're continuing to add literally each and every week. So it actually is building out nicely. We'll talk a lot about this as we talk about the positioning for Aristotle, particularly in terms of where it is. But I want to give you some examples. And so we've expanded the testing in Arizona. And Arizona has been very important for us. It's, it's not only a large client, but it's had us streamline, had us build out and then streamline a lot of the processes that we can then apply against a variety of other groups. In Aristotle, on any given day, we might be testing at one site or we might be testing, as we have done, at, at five sites. We've expanded to where we're not just doing county employees, but we're actually doing the judicial department employees. We're looking at where we go beyond this. We've also moved from, it, it was a one-year agreement, but you initially always start with the testing but you move out to end of the year, so we've expanded into that. We're in the process right now of expanding it through the winter and into next year. Um, all of it bodes well for us, but it's also an indication of, I think, where people believe COVID is going. We're going to come back to this quite often as we talk through. COVID is with us for a period of time. In our case, it's a matter of how we use it. We've been able to um, aggressively pay down payables. Um, the inventory situation is improving somewhat. Um, it means we can actually hold a little less inventory as we go forward. But um, we've aggressively been making sure that we're ahead of the curve and paying down payables, as I think is reflected. We've also introduced additional new methods of testing. Um, saliva collection is one of the more important. If you think about PCR, PCR is the gold standard, and PCR is coming home in spades as the way to actually um, look for COVID and to actually control it. The key thing, with it, why? Because it's the most accurate. Um, if you can do it very quickly, and we actually have, pro have worked on being able to turn it around really quickly, I'll go back to that comment about being able to do 1,000 up to 3,000 tests a day. Critical. Whatever you get in the door, you have to be able to turn around. You have to be able to turn it around quickly. That's what actually gets you business. It's what actually gets you paid better. 
So for all of those, it's critical. Saliva testing helps with this because done correctly, it's as accurate as um, nasopharyngeal swabs, for example, but it has to be done correctly. And so how do you do it correctly? Well, one advantage is that because it's saliva tubes, they literally can be mailed to anyone, anywhere. Because it's video surveillance, you can get, as long as they have an internet connection, you can get to them anywhere. But we always do our tests supervised. Therefore, it's a video consult and it will establish the identity of the individual, critical, will observe them and guide them through the process of actually collecting the specimen, will guide them through packing the sample up in order to get it back to us, and that's how it works. And I'm gonna jump back briefly now to um, the travel groups like Barbados, Hawaii, and China, um, because that is what allows us to get to a lot of these. It's the precision, it's the turnaround time, it's the fact that we're very buttoned in terms of how we do it. And so Barbados, um, very, very nice approach to all of this. If you think about what Barbados is, is trying to do, so it's a relatively small country. It is essentially COVID-free at this point. And so one imagines if they imported a large number of active COVID cases, you might overwhelm the healthcare system. They don't want to do that. Besides which, Barbadians at this particular point live a reasonably normal life. Why? Because they don't have um, large um, infection rates. Um, so, but however, they rely very heavily on tourism. So you want tourism into it. Part of their message is that come to Barbados, if we bring you in safely, if we ensure that you are COVID free, once you're on the island and we've ensured that you are COVID free, you can get on and live a normal life. You can actually live essentially in a bubble that is COVID free and have a normal vacation. All of that is extremely appealing. However, the things you need to do is you have to do it within very tight windows. Hence, the 48 hours before travel, the 72 hours before arriving in the country. Additionally, with that, as always, unfortunately, with money, you get the scam artists. And so we have people selling fake um, certificates at the airports. How do you avoid that? You avoid that with a tight chain of custody. So therefore, we do that and we're linked together with the government of Barbados, whereby we ascertain the identity of the individual carefully. It's tied to passport. We have links directly to the Barbados government so that we can report directly in on that. And that ensures that the entire system works well. It is that same system that has moved across to Hawaii. Um, our partner ICOR actually brought us the Hawaiian opportunity. We're now registered with the island of Hawaii. And as you see, that direct link ties through with that. We were recently approached by um, the consulate um, general uh, for China to ask if we could help with Chinese travel, uh, or I should say travel to China. And China's got some particular requirements. Um, China wants um, both a negative IgM as well as a negative PCR test. You need to show on both. But again, it needs to be controlled, needs to be reported through in terms of the way it is. And so those things tie. I will come back too to the telehealth system because without the telehealth system, we couldn't do any of this. Um, we have had questions regarding the volumes with this. I want you to be careful with volumes as you hear it. Barbados has about 2,700 passengers a week that um, flow in from either the US or Canada. China, I don't know the exact number. I know there are about 1,500 from Ontario. 
Um, the major hubs obviously are Ontario or Alberta and um, are Vancouver. Um, we're active in the, in, in the Alberta area. We're just starting up in, um, in the Toronto area. We will start up within a week in the Vancouver area and run those. Now, don't extrapolate that to mean we're going to get all of those individual travels. We obviously aren't. But as long as we get a healthy proportion of that, we're extremely satisfied. And so it builds out. And so it builds out. The raise was extremely good for us, and so we just we just closed on um, essentially 7.2 million, uh, which was um, the second of the um, prospectus offerings that we did. I will remind you too that there's a very detailed prospectus out there. I would encourage you to read that. It contains a lot of information about us, and. Um, the primary reason for doing the raise um, is because as you look at taking um, Aristotle out into the marketplace, we want to have more muscle. Um, we're obviously going up against some fairly large players that will come to market in time, assuming that their products work in, in the appropriate way. Um, and we want, to be, um, we want to be as prepared as possible. So that is what it is essentially all about. Um, I want to talk about COVID because as we, pray, as we prepare for the launch of Aristotle and um, our launch for Aristotle is Q1 next year. Um, we will launch during Q1. I um, want to explain the environment into which we're going. And so we've talked about this before, but I will talk about it again. COVID has significantly impacted the business environment for diagnostics and we'll do so through all of 2021 and quite possibly into 2022. Here is why. You need to remember the primary care physician office is still mostly not open. And bearing in mind that our primary market is the US, but we're also beginning to attract significant business from the Canadian side as well. But in most instances, primary care physician offices are still mostly only partly open. Most are not seeing reps. So what you can't do is you can't go out and hire a, a large sales force, bring in a thousand reps and send them out and go and see all the physicians. Guess what? The reps are not being allowed in and the physician offices are mostly not open. So it doesn't work. You cannot do that. The next thing is the patients are mostly staying away. And I'll give you as an example in this, um, Rebecca and I were actually looking at the breast, um, the, the breast cancer rates last night. We thought that's a rather good marker. We were looking at the number of mammograms that are done and mammograms are down by anywhere from 40% to 94%, depending upon where you are across North America and how you look at it. And it's for exactly the reasons that we talked about. Now, think about that. It means early screening is not occurring. We're also, as we follow it through, we're actually seeing it in the cancers that are now being, now being diagnosed. They're essentially being diagnosed at a later stage and uh, with greater complications. This means two things. One, you don't have the normal routes that you have had in order to simply go out and do things. The other thing is that there's a huge pent-up demand because cancer doesn't go away. And people are beginning to get their heads around the fact that you've got to be screening for it. You want to do it as early as possible. You need a means to do it. 
And that actually plays extremely well to where we've positioned ourselves. We were fortunate enough that about two, three years ago, we started to move in this direction. We were not anticipating um, the COVID pandemic, but we were anticipating changes in the marketplace. And we moved to build out our telehealth system. And we will talk about that because without telehealth, you cannot do this. We've talked before about the fact that, for example, if you talk with the Harvard um, healthcare system, they'll tell you the pre-pandemic, the use of telehealth was less than 5%. They will tell you that about two months into the pandemic, their telehealth utilization was about 85%. Um, people expected to settle back somewhat, but they still expected probably to be in the region of 40 to 50% of what everyone does going forward. I will also tell you that if you're working with large employers, you cannot do large employers. You cannot screen their, their people unless you have a robust telehealth system. You cannot do it because only about half of the people might be in large buildings, large centers. The other half is scattered all around the country. You have to be able to get to them. So we come back again to saying telehealth, critical, critical. Therefore, the launch of any new product absolutely needs to take this into consideration. This is how our telehealth system works. And if you think about it, what you have to be able to do is you've got to get to the individual, whether it's a patient or an employee, you've got to be able to get to them. You've got to feed them into a system electronically that captures all of the data that are required to actually perform the test on them, but also inform the physician afterwards. Because we're dealing with cancer um, and we use the same system for COVID. It goes through physician authorization, so physician review and authorization. So you need a telehealth network of physicians that are established. You can add into this cancer clinics. Um, so you bring it through from that. Once it is determined that the individual is correct to go all the way through the system for it, we actually schedule the draw. The draw would be that we send the test kits to the patient, or if it's a company, we send it to the company so that we can do group draws. We arrange for a phlebotomist or a nurse to visit the, the individual at their home, which is a lot of what is occurring at the moment, or we arrange for groups of phlebotomists or nurses to go to do group draws at companies. These are done um, socially distanced. They're done very carefully. Think about Arizona, for example, as we're doing it. And um, the samples are drawn, they packaged up. It's the process I worked through with you earlier. We can also do it by video consult if it's saliva. It's packaged up, it is sent in to us overnight. It arrives. Um, Overnight, we get it first thing in the morning. We process the test. We report it out that same day. It is reported out to the patient. It is reported out to the patient's physician, uh, which in this case could be our telehealth um, provider. It is reported out to the company if appropriate. And if it's infectious, as in the case of COVID, it's reported out to the states and to CDC. Um, you need to build that all out. We also can provide additional reports for groups as we work with them. If it's a company that has eight or nine sites across the U.S., they want to know how the individual sites are doing. They want to know whether one is performing better than another, um, what measures they need to institute. They need to be able to track all of that. We can provide all of that data. And we've talked about before, the data for us is extremely useful.
So you do this. It takes time to build it out. We have taken time to build it out. We have probably, if we tap all of the available resources out there, somewhere in excess of 40,000 um, phlebotomists slash nurses that we can, we can reach out to. And we've actually literally in the last um, short while, we're in the process of adding three additional providers to us, which continue to expand this footprint. So critical, critical. More importantly, we have it. We've had it for some time. It's working extremely well. I want to begin to link the pieces together. We've talked for a while about come for COVID, stay for cancer. It's exactly what it is. COVID for us has been very helpful, but we're not a COVID company. We're a cancer company. It's where the focus is. COVID has provided us an ability to generate um, some, some short-term money. It has provided us an opportunity to build out our organization. Perhaps absolutely critically, it, it's provided us an opportunity to help with what is a critical situation in both countries. Um, and we're continuing to play that role and actually, actually um, appreciate the ability to play that role. It's also taught us as an organization that we can move very, very quickly. If you think about where we've gone literally in about the last seven or eight months, it's, it's actually amazing um, as to where we've gone. But it builds out. And so what we're doing is we're very, very interested in the people that we bring to the table for COVID are also ones to whom we can introduce um, Aristotle. And if you go back to our um, process as we were looking at it, I'll talk to Mercer. Um, Mercer is a group that we've been talking about, pre we've been talking with um, pre-COVID. We were working with them to introduce our cancer testing. Along came COVID, um, everything gets pushed sideways while you have to deal with that as an emergency. Now we're coming back to where we're actually talking with Mercer again regarding Aristotle and beginning to make plans to take it to their people. So when we go to a launch and we talk about preparing for the first commercial launch, it, it, it's this sort of approach that we take. Just waiting for the next slide. So our launch path is as follows. One, we will launch as an LDT. An LDT is a laboratory developed test. The vast majority of diagnostic tests in the US are LDTs. There are relatively few that actually go forward for FDA approval. Um, so we will launch as an LDT. Why? It's our usual process. It ties back to the CAP and CLIA certification as we've gone through in terms of where it is, which is obviously critical for us. It ties to our validation um, around all of this. And um, bearing in mind that validation, people tend to think validation is having to go and do 5,000 or 50,000 patients out there. We have already done that. We have already done that. We are doing the CAP and CLIA validation at this point which is essentially somewhere between 200 and 400 patients. So we will be done with that in a short while, and we will then move forward on that basis. So we will follow an FDA path likely, likely. Um, we will enter into discussion with the FDA um, next year. We think Aristotle is a program that would benefit from FDA approval, but it is as yet not a given. Um, of interest, if you're following the GRAIL story, you will notice GRAIL, where all discussion was about FDA to begin with. 
Grail 2 started to talk about they will launch as an LDT. In addition to that, you need to go back to the COVID model that we've all talked about. So if you want validation of what we're thinking and where we've been thinking, we've actually just got a nice big group actually come and endorse what we're planning to do. You need to remember that Aristotle is the culmination of 20 years of work. If we go to our competitors, your Grail and Thrive being obviously the two most obvious in this, their work is still relatively recent. If, if you go to a lot of the comments that are out there in, in written um, form at the moment, you'll see that the science is as yet unproven. Um, we're all hopeful it works out. It will be wonderful if we actually all get to market. But I'll state again, it's as yet unproven. And in the large NHS study that was just announced, the lead guy in that said that in actual fact, he holds about a 50% prediction for success because it's as yet unproven. I come back to that. We have 20 years worth of work in this as we've gone through. Colon Century is the embodiment of what our science is. It works. We know it works. We have taken it forward. The other thing with this is because it's 20 years worth of work, when, when you say that we believe it is this particular cancer and not that one, you've also got to be certain that it's not some other disease. One advantage with us is that we have worked through multiple diseases. So as we bring our results forward, we are relatively certain or as certain as we can be that we are giving you what we're telling you it is. And that's an absolutely critical piece with this. Waiting for the next slide. Sorry, they slow. There we are. Early diagnosis and early intervention is the key. And um, go back to my earlier statements about the pent-up demand for, for um, cancer testing, particularly early cancer testing. Um, all of this is there. We know we have to get back to it. We all want to get back to it. We're all looking for a way as to how to get back to it. Um, that's part of what we offer. So one, we partner with large companies to begin with. In fact, we can partner with all companies to begin with. We can partner with healthcare systems. But bear in mind, you can't go with healthcare systems where you're now going back through all of the physicians out where because that's a process that by and large isn't there. So you need a process whereby you get it directly to the patient immediately. So that is our process. So for example, cancer clinics are a very obvious one in terms of where to go. What we need to do, even working with, uh, with large employers, is you know, if, if the large employer has 20, 30, 40,000 employees, if we're screening those, and one would presume you would, we would screen them on regular intervals, um, what we're looking at is um, if, should we get positives? In other words, we believe that you have cancer. And remember that our stance on this always is that um, we're always presumptive. Um, the biopsy will always indicate whether you have the cancer or not. So if we believe that you have cancer, then we need to be able to refer you in for the curative aspect of it. Um, but how do you do that with 40,000 employees? We don't have an ability to go back to 40,000 individual positions. So you need to be linked with cancer clinics that actually will take the some cancer clinics through to the curative side. So you get referred up into all of the major centers in the country to be able to be dealt with. 
but we also have a preventative side, which is that if you're a smoker, for example, you need to stop smoking. We need to be able to put you into remediation programs for all of that. That is what all of the employers want. That is what we are putting together. And so people are saying, where are your partnerships? They will come forward when we're ready. When, when we put all of these pieces together, and we roll them out because it's critical to say we're launching in this fashion. This is what it looks like. And I'll go back to again that we're launching in Q1 next year. We, um, I, think that's, I think that's a critical piece. The obvious thing with this too is that this will flow for a number of years. Obviously, we're starting with 10 cancers. We can go broader than that. But for now, we're starting with the 10 most important cancers. They are discrete. They are separate from diseases. They follow inflammatory pathways. There's a lot that we can do. We're actually very excited to, to be able to put the full program on the table in front of you. And um, as I say, we will do that during Q1. We talked a little bit about Grail. We talked a little bit about the Thrive purchase from Exact Sciences. Um, I think um, the slide is purely just to say things, things are changing. Things are changing. It's an area that is very high profile. Um, these two groups have certainly helped take it there. Um, I was reminded yesterday um, that actually the multiples um, are for uh, companies like ours are actually changing markedly. And so we think one of the opportunities with us is um, obviously to get proper recognition for who we are and what we are and um, in terms of where that may benefit all of us. That's the exact task as we move forward. Just to remind you again that Aristotle is um, a 10 cancer panel. Um, it's nine for women, it's six for men. It um, has a, not only a high sensitivity and specificity, but as um, we break it into the discrete pieces, we believe that we can move down, for example, in the colorectal space. And um, so, for example, you look at the fact that we have your know, colorectal cancer test in Aristotle, as well as we have colon sentry. I think an obvious question is, would the Aristotle um, colorectal cancer test eclipse colon sentry? So the answer to that would be yes, um, but it will also come with additional enhancements. We've long talked about polyps. Um, we would like to be able to unveil with all of this the fact that we can find polyps as distinct from frank colorectal cancer lesions. We obviously will be looking for more definition around stage one, stage two, and then stage three and four cancers. If we can give you that kind of definition, it's not only groundbreaking, but it's extremely useful. So that is where we're moving with all of this. So, um, and I think as we've talked about a significant global revenue opportunity. So in summary, um, we're a cancer testing company. Aristotle is what we're all about. It's what we've always been all about. It's um, really gratifying to actually be able to get back to what the original purpose behind all of this was. In the meantime, um, we're doing COVID testing as well. And COVID testing in all of the ways that I've talked about, one, it's, it's building out all of our capabilities, which is really nice. It's helping our organization, our organization mature. It's helping us prepare for the launch of Aristotle. 
In addition to this, it's obviously giving us a, um, a, a nice injection of cash, which is very helpful here. But it's also accelerating the rate at which we've been able to bring a whole series of what we would regard as very desirable um, partners, um, both for COVID and for Aristotle, to the table. And it's brought them in a much, much faster pace, a much more accelerated pace. Everything in COVID is happening faster. We, um, we will continue down the path of building out as a cancer company, at least for the foreseeable future. That's, a, that's where we see we're going. Um, we're launching Aristotle as an LDT. Um, we will launch it during Q1 of next year, as we've talked about. We will begin discussions with the FDA and we'll decide what the FDA path is as we move down that as well. We're putting together a um, novel um, approach as to how we take it out. One, it was in part always our intention. Two, COVID now is absolutely dictating that in terms of how we go. And um, so we're pretty, we're pretty excited to get it off the ground and pretty excited to get it moving. And um, you know, with that, um, personalized health management via our telehealth platform, telehealth capabilities are an absolutely critical piece to this as we go forward. Um, we've taken a long time to build it out. It is, is playing out for us in spades as to how we've gone forward. And um, you know, when, when you come back to, to we, we put out some revenue projections initially with COVID, I think as we reinforced in the prospectus, we stand behind those. We're actually comfortable with those as a 12-year, sorry, as a 12-month target. So I think I'll, I'll hold at this point, and um, we'll go to questions. Thank you. We'll now be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star one from your telephone keypad, and a confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star two if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment. It may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. And then star one. Thank you. And our first question is from Noel Atkinson with Claris Securities. Please proceed with your questions. Uh, hi, good morning. Uh, thanks very much for taking our questions. Um, uh, so I have, a few, I have a few questions here. So first off, on Aristotle, um, you mentioned in your prepared remarks that you're, you know, expanding out the capacity, adding footprint to be able to have sufficient space and capacity for Aristotle. So, are you are you required to have more sophisticated equipment or new equipment to, for Aristotle, or is it that you need more spacing, or like do the does do the tests take longer on the equipment than for for COVID tests? Like, what would what do you see as needing that extra space for? Yeah, no, that's um, actually that's a nice question. Um, no, it's it, it's probably not probably it's a combination of things. Um, when when we were in a very severe cash crunch, um, part of what we did was reduce the space to the minimum. Um, now, as particularly as volume ramps up, it's very helpful to begin to move out. Um, COVID, COVID has introduced some things that we wouldn't normally have had to deal with. For example, we've had to put fume hoods in the bio, the biohazard cabinets, um, lots of safety space, the likes of all of that. 
Um, so so it, it's a matter of as we prepare for Aristotle and build out, and bearing in mind we're having to do some of this for COVID too, uh, because as we're expanding the testing and our testing, it, it, it's continuing to ramp up. Um, we just need more space, more capability. But then the other thing, we have, we have a lot of equipment, we have a lot of automated lines um, that we need set up in order to just speed all of this up as well. And part of that comes to, do, do you run six days a week? Do you run seven days a week? Do you run two shifts? Do you run three shifts? Do you run one and a half shifts? And so as, as, as we work with all of that, um, having the space to expand into, and when we take the full lab back, we'll actually have a little more space that we, we justifiably need right at the moment. Um, but it, it helps. We will, we will grow into it. And so it, it, it really is a combination of that. Um, one, we need to bring the automated lines up. We need to do that. Two, we physically need to expand because we're just adding, we're adding more and more tests. Our warehouse, for example, is currently out of space. We, we, you know, we're looking for how to expand. So it's, um, it's all of that. Okay, great. Um, and then next, so, uh, you know, there is quite a lot of activity in still in the, the pan-cancer liquid biopsy space. You know, you mentioned exact sciences that's buying uh, Thrive for um, potentially $2 billion U.S., um, and Grail pushing hard on the LDT side. Um, so do you still see that you have a, a meaningful lead in terms of getting to market over the, the competitors in your, in, for Aristotle? Yes, yes, we do. And I, I think everyone's going to want to see absolute evidence of this. Um, I think that will come with, one, with publication. Two, it will come with um, you know, good names behind us, uh, because I think that lends validity, and all, all of that is in process. Um, but um, I, I think the two things that, that stand us in good stead, one is literally that 20 years of development work as I've gone through. We have gone through this. Um, I'll take you through to, I think it was some, some of the, it was both Thrive and Grail data that was published a little while back. And I think as you looked at it, at best, they were only about 50 odd percent accurate. Um, which, which shows they've still got a significant um, distance to go to prove it out. So I think a lot of, they, they started in circulating tumor cells, they went to cell-free DNA, they've now moved to DNA, you know, moved to, to methylation. Um, is, is that because the other processes didn't work properly, so therefore they're going to where they have to? I, there, there were all these questions swirling around it. And so, first and foremost, they as yet have to prove that they work. They have to prove that they can actually do the job at the right level. Um, I, hopefully, hopefully, we've already done that. Um, and then uh, the second thing is certainly we are ahead of them in terms of launch timetable. And so, um, you know, we, 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 go, we go next quarter. And so that's a, that's a clear advantage. Okay. Um, on the COVID side, uh, so congratulations! Like that's that's a, a quite a string of announcements here between the Barbados China Air Canada partnership for Hawaii. Um, can you give us a sense? Of, like, are you in negotiations with any other governments? Like what you've done um, for the Barbados, whether it's in the Caribbean or elsewhere? Uh, yes. Short, short answer is yes. Uh, one, one of the nice things with this is once you develop a footprint and you develop a bit of a reputation, 
it, it's no longer, you know, sort of who are you guys, um, you know, and, and can you actually do this? Because we can, we can, you know, ably demonstrate it. So short answer is yes. And then in, in terms of the Barbados partnership, um, you mentioned, I think, 2,700 people flying per week from the U.S. or Canada down there. Um, and are, so you are testing both for Canadians and Americans that are traveling to Barbados, or at least offering yes. that service? Okay. Yes, yes. And, and we, we are actually testing both sides of the board. And how about China? Um, China, we are. China, we are. So China, we are in Alberta because it started early. Um, however, in Ontario and um, it will be Ontario, Quebec, um, British Columbia, we aren't yet. We are just going live with that now. Okay. So China for now is just Canada. Uh, China for now is just yeah sorry good point yeah China for now is just Canada and even in Canada we're not we're not right across the country um, and that will expand over the next few weeks. Okay and then finally so um, you, you touched a bit on this but um, what are you hearing from your clients and from the governments in terms of you know how long are they thinking COVID testing is going to go on given that. We're seeing, you know, first uh, vaccine uh, delivery in the UK this week. Yeah, we're um, everything we're looking at is that COVID as an issue is with us through all of 2021 and likely into 2022. Um, from a business effect perspective, it's clearly with us well into 2022. From a health perspective, um, towards towards the end of 2021, hopefully we've got enough people vaccinated that it begins to have an effect. But we're not, no one no one is expecting next winter to actually be great. So so we're watching the planning going through. And actually, the vaccine the, the vaccine's good because it, you know there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but what the vaccine has done is it's actually enhanced the focus on people needing to be safe, which is while, while you thought you might have this thing around for years on end, you were having to figure out how to make your company work. And could you take a chance? Could you not? Now that you know that there's probably almost certainly an end in sight, and that end in sight is really not that far away. If it's a year to 18 months away, um, we, can, we can live with that. I think the focus on keeping your organization safe and keeping it working is actually heightened. So we've actually seen an increase in requests. And this is, this is a miserable winter. And, you know, the, the, I, I think one of the things, too, is everyone focuses sort of on the death rate or the likes. Um, that's actually, it, it, it's a critical one to focus on, but it's actually only one of the metrics. The bigger one that we're focused on is hospitalization rates, ICU capacity, and, and, and what happens with staff. So I'll go to Arizona. I mean, Arizona put out a few weeks ago that they're at 98% of ICU capacity. I get the tracking numbers each day. I, I, I would guarantee you at this point that Arizona is through um, ICU capacity. You go to Alberta, Alberta is exactly there. We're watching all of this. Um, you wouldn't think in a Canadian situation with free healthcare, we get people coming to us and paying money to actually get tested for COVID. And in fact, a series of very high profile groups, but it is, they are, and it is because the systems are overwhelmed. They're swamped. They can't deal with it. 
we have competition with nurses on on the um, telehealth side because they're trying to get the nurses into the hospitals. So the biggest issue here is really overwhelming the healthcare side. Go back to what I talked about on cancer. If, if 94% of women are now not getting screened for breast cancer, if you have an MI, where do you go? If you have a stroke, where do you go? The ICU beds are full of COVID patients. Um, that's the thing that I think as people are getting their heads around, they're going, okay, um, if we've got an 80-month window before this thing sorts itself out, we need to stay safe. How do we stay safe? And you know, that's where it works with us. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would say that you know we continue to be you know very much focused on Aristotle and its opportunity, and uh, you know so we're looking forward to the announcements coming into to Q1. So uh, good luck with that. All right, thanks very much for taking my call. Yeah, no, you're very welcome. I, I, I would say, too, um, yeah, we're, we're very Aristotle-focused. Um, COVID is a means to get there. Um, we're 20 years, 20 years' worth of work. It'll be nice to see it come through. I think um, just looking at time, we're, we're essentially out of time. But if, if, if we have one more burning question, let's see if we can take that. As a reminder, you may press star 1 to ask a question. Uh, yes, we do have a question. Um, can, it's coming from Paul Walensky. Can Aristotle detect triple negative breast cancer? Not, not the way it works. Um, so I, I can't tell you that it can or it can't, but it, let's put it this way. It doesn't look for triple negative breast cancer. It looks for breast cancer, and it would encompass a whole variety of forms. Um, but Paul, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, maybe I'll try and get um, try and try and find out a little more for you, and I'll get you some separate information outside of this. Okay, thanks everyone. Um, very helpful call. Hopefully, hopefully it's a lot clearer in terms of where we're going and what our plans are, and um, we very much look forward to keeping you up to date as we move forward. Take care. Thank you. This will conclude today's conference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.